listening to the podcast 82488. I spend my shifts doodling in the margins of my notebooks instead of doing homework. I practice violin. I took coins from the register and bought fruit candies from the crank van at the front of the store, let them lodge in my back teeth, and worked over the rough sugar with my tongue. I spun myself slowly around on my stool, trying to match the speed of my revolutions to that of the fan overhead and watching the shop swirl around me. This is what I was doing that day when a blur out of the shop's front window caught my eye. I slowed to stop, looked out, and there she was. And that was a selection from today's novel, Elsewhere, by author Alexis Shaken. Page 8. We knew only that the ones who had come to town in the past had all turned out to be disappointments, painful lessons in what life elsewhere made people into. Their lives were ruled by a simpler, thinner calculus. They sought only obvious pleasures in the avoidance of pain, and they would do anything to achieve these ends. They couldn't help it. They didn't have our affliction, so they could not learn what it taught us, did not possess what it gave us. But when a stranger did come, she was nothing like either Anna or I had imagined. This was at the end of upper year, when I was 16. By then, Anna and I had not been appearing for a long time. She had severed our ties suddenly and brutally after our mothers went. From then on, the memory of our friendship lived inside me like a potent dream, difficult to believe it had ever been real. The stranger arrived in the afternoon when I was working my shift at Rapid Ready Photo. It was my father's store. He took the formal portraits for everyone in town. School, wedding, newborn, he spent most of his days in the dark room in the back of the shop and I worked the register after school. Like the other shops, we were never busy. We lacked the population to be. I spent my shifts doodling in the margins of my notebooks instead of doing homework. I practiced violin. I took coins from the register and bought fruit candies from the crank van at the front of the store let them lodge in my back teeth, and worked over the rough sugar with my tongue. I spun myself slowly around on my stool, trying to match the speed of my revolutions to that of the fan overhead and watching the shop swirl around me. This is what I was doing that day when a blur out of the shop's front window caught my eye. I slowed to stop, looked out, and there she was, way down Hobstrus, coming down the sidewalk, in our girlhood games, Anna and I had imagined strangers as extreme figures. Page 24. All of them except the little one on the end, the blurred runt, who had perhaps done something other than die, and I wondered what our affliction had recognized in her or cultivated in her until it was all off of her. We circled the stranger, suddenly, Lots of us began taking morning walks into the mountains, and usually deserted baths became positively crowded. One day in the calf, Marie told Di and me that the previous afternoon, seeing as if it was such a fine day, she had decided to take her cello to Feld Park to practice the piece 
Weave Uppers would be performing at the next recital, and the stranger happened to be there taking her photographs and had complimented her playing. Di had taken to wearing a straw hat from her sister's bureau around town, an obvious ploy to get the stranger to remark upon their similar taste. I spotted Anna, Esther, and Lou sitting on the bench below the stranger's window at the Alpina, gossiping and laughing loudly at regular intervals to show what a fun time they were having. Mothers could often be seen pushing prams down the sidewalks of Hofstress, our principal commercial street, during the afternoon hours when Ruth poked around. Ruth smiled at the babies and sometimes said something like, precious or how adorable, to the mothers, and the mothers thanked her politely. Though the vague, aloof quality of Ruth's smile and these rather vapid things she said only confirmed how limited she was. This woman, who was old enough to be her mother, but was instead here all alone, husbands lingered just outside the stranger's vision in late afternoon, and when the clouds began to gather, they approached her as if they just so happened to be passing by and offered to escort her back to the Alpina. They were the most discreet in their circling. They didn't want their wives to suspect the way the stranger was working upon them. They hardly understood it themselves. At night, during lovemaking, when wives removed the silver pins from their braids and pierced their husband's skin. Page 88. I had been eating fruit for months now, ever since Iris was born, but I still couldn't describe the taste or remember it when my mouth wasn't full of it. That was what brought us back to the grove, that negative space, not a memory of taste, but the sense of a memory missing. Other mothers had shared at group that day the configurations and maneuvers which had once sent them into rapturous spasms now produced only discomfort. We had previously loved it when our husbands sucked and even bit our nipples, but now most of the mothers expressed a complete lack of interest in this. Their breasts belonged to their babies. The sight of their husbands' mouths around their nipples revolted some was comical to others. Besides, their nipples were sucked and chewed for hours each day. They had turned tough and senseless as the bottoms of their feet. I didn't dare tell them that Peter still squeezed and sucked at me, sometimes drawing milk. I didn't tell them how it thrilled me to let down into his mouth instead of into Iris's. The sucking pleasure of wasted milk spilled on sex and on Peter. I felt a bit superior because Peter and I had found erotic potential where other couples had failed too. But then you always had to wonder when you were the odd one out whether it indicated something. Why was it unimaginable to other women that their husbands might suckle from them? While I desired it, thought of it even as I nursed Iris, and was not disturbed to think of it then with her at my breast. Did it indicate something perverse in my bond with Iris? But I loved her ferociously. I would chop anyone to bits for her. But what if that was just it? What if it was possible to love too ferociously and to burn yourself up with it? 
one day, a few months after that, Lise, whose baby had terrible colic, broke down in group and confessed that once when he had been crying for hours, she squeezed him a little too hard, enough that his crunched shut eyes popped open in surprise. The end. Elsewhere, Alexis shaken.